Thank you, Caitlin and team, for leading us in worship today. And I want to begin today by inviting us to think about several different scenarios. So here's number one. A mom is out grocery shopping with her three-year-old child, and they get to the checkout line, and the three-year-old grabs a chocolate bar. But the mom doesn't want the child to have a chocolate bar, so she takes it away and puts it back. The child proceeds to begin entering into a temper tantrum. So the mom has to decide whether or not to give back the chocolate bar or go through the entire checking out process while their toddler rages at them. What should the mom do? A 12-year-old boy has just received an A on an industrial arts project, and he's so excited to bring it home. And when he gets home, his mom congratulates him and shows great enthusiasm. But when his dad gets home, he looks at the project and just points out the flaws. The 12-year-old is crushed. What should he do? A mom texts her 17-year-old daughter to see how her day is going, and the daughter is supposed to be out with a girlfriend at the mall. Her mom and dad have forbidden her from seeing a particular guy who they know is bad news. The daughter answers back, she's having a great time with her friend at the mall. But while the mom waits at a red light, she sees the friend of the daughter drive by in her car, and her daughter's not with her. So the daughter has just lied. What should the mom do? A university student lives at home with his parents. He's discovered a group on campus called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. He's really interested in talking about God and this Jesus person. But his parents are atheists. They hate religion. So when he brings up this group, they immediately mock him. His dad says, you're not going to join a cult, are you? What should that student do? 24-year-old mom visits her parents with her two-year-old, and the child does something that the mom doesn't want it to do. But the child continues to defy the mom, and the grandparents have different ideas about discipline. What should they say or not say? Or lastly, an adult child gets a call from his mother that the father is not doing well. In fact, the mother sounds desperate and expresses her need for help to care for her husband. Inside, the adult son begins a slow burn because he and his family have a family vacation scheduled in two weeks, and he can't just drop everything and go help with his father. Can he? Parent-child relationships bring many challenges all of us have had some sort of relationship with our parents or the people who brought us up. And many of, of, of us have had children, and our journey of life includes trying to figure out what's best for each child. And it can get complicated, sometimes difficult. We may wonder what to do when these situations arise. And thankfully, God is not just some distant academic who pronounces theology. He is a loving father who adopts us as his children. He has wise counsel to help us, and he also supports us with wisdom, power, 
and unfailing love for the challenges that we face. And today we're going to look at a passage from Colossians that specifically addresses relationships between children and parents. And I know we have children, grade five and older, in our room, this room today, and this passage directly speaks to you. And the principles also apply or can extend to parent-child relationships in older years. So we're first going to look at this passage and its commands, and then I'm going to briefly address some specific questions that I think it raises. First, how does this apply to young adult children living at home with their parents? Second, how do we live this out if the parent or the child is not a Christian? Third, how do we respond if the parent or child is abusing the other? What about adult children and aging parents? And finally, we're going to face the reality that this command goes against our sinful nature and that we also need to desperately depend on the Lord for his help to carry it out. And so we're going to appeal for that as we come to the Lord's table. And I pray that our time together today will encourage us to lean harder on Christ for his wisdom and strength in our relationships. And so would you please find Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 in your Bibles, and then we're going to go to chapter 3. And as you're finding that, one final word before we get to the text. Maybe you're here today and you don't have children and you don't have parents, and you think, what does this have to do with me today? Well, you can listen to the counsel of God so that you can pray for and support others who have to live this out, but maybe you can also use this to evaluate and think about your relationship with your Heavenly Father. He's the perfect parent, and maybe this passage calls to mind how we're relating to Him as His children. So we're going to start in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, and then go to chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. So Colossians 2, 6 and 7, which is the central portion of the letter and probably the main point of it, says simply this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's the central text. That's the call of the letter. And then chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, I just wanted to remind us, is the central part of this letter. And it basically reminds us that we have received Christ, and since we've received Christ, we have to continue to grow and live in Him. The text says we must walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. And we learn that this involves an intimate relationship with God, with Christ, that so we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to think, speak, and act in Christ-honoring ways. And that's what we've been looking at in the second half of this letter. 
Since we were united to Christ when we first received him, we now learn to live in dependence on Christ every moment of every day through prayer, through crying out to God. So our main question today then is, how can Christian children and Christian parents experience healthier relationships? And the answer is simple to write, hard to live out. It's simple by honoring Christ in relating to one another. That's how we can experience healthy relationships, by honoring Christ in relating to one another. But then the question is, what does that look like? How do we honor Christ? So the first verse, Colossians 3 verse 20, addresses this for children. How might a child honor Christ as they relate to their parents? And verse 20 says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And parents, you have just found your new favorite verse for 2023, haven't you? What an awesome verse. Maybe you could stencil this on your, on your kitchen wall so the kids could be just subtly reminded of this every once in a while. We love this verse as parents, but let's go a little bit deeper in it. So here's the principle. Children can experience healthier relationships with their parents by obeying their parents in everything because it pleases the Lord. So that's what the text says. And this was a somewhat standard expectation in the ancient world. So is Paul just parroting, imitating what everyone else was doing? Well, to some degree, yes, but he goes much farther. First of all, by the very fact that he's addressing children. For in that culture, in that society, at that time, children had a very low status in Roman society, barely above that of slaves. Technically, they were the property of their father and were expected to do exactly as they were told. If they didn't, their very survival and protection was at stake so the, because the father could throw them out. And it seems some Roman fathers just gave orders. They saw children as unworthy of direct address or consideration. And Paul goes against that by directly addressing children here. He says, children. He doesn't say, parents, tell your children that they're supposed to obey you. He says, children, as if this letter has been re being read in the company of the entire church body and children are hearing this. So he shows respect to them by directly addressing them. And notice Paul also gives a different motivation for children to obey their parents. He says, this pleases the Lord. So think about how that might change one's attitude about obedience to parents. No parent is perfect. Parents make parenting mistakes. I have made many parenting mistakes. And if a child's only motivation is to obey because they have to, because they're told to, it can breed some resentment, especially when they think that their parents' commands are unreasonable or inconsistent. But if the motivation is to please the Lord, that can give children extra strength to obey 
even though the parent might be difficult or harsh or somewhat unreasonable. unreasonable. And notice Paul appeals to the child's faith in Christ. He's saying because you have received Christ, your motivation for obedience now includes pleasing Christ. And this does not mean that children should obey their parents when such obedience would involve sin. That would not please Christ. A parent who commands their child to sell drugs or carry drugs for them is not pleasing the Lord. Commanding a child to lie for a parent is not honoring to the Lord. To obey parents in everything does not include submitting to abuse or participating in a crime. The verse assumes that parents will deal wisely and kindly with their children. It's talking about parents who protect the child, who have the child's best interests in mind. And parents, it is our responsibility to teach our children obedience which goes against our culture. We hear a lot about letting kids discover their preferences and not stifling them in any way. Yet there are times when our children have to obey whether or not they understand. You don't let a toddler decide whether or not they want to walk near the edge of a cliff. That view might be great, but the danger is much greater. The toddler might scream when the parent restricts their access to the cliff edge, but the parent is doing their job of protection. Now, our children need to know that we love them, but we must also teach them that there are times they have to obey us even though they don't have the whole picture. And if we persevere in this, we will be teaching them how to relate to God. Because there are times as adults and throughout our Christian lives that we have to obey what God is saying even though we don't understand the whole picture. Yet we trust his good character to see us through. And if our kids see that we love them and that we're doing our best to try to protect them, to try to help them, it can help them obey even when they don't fully understand. So, the question I have today for children living under their parents' roof and authority is, how are you doing at obeying your parents in everything? That's a tough command. But it's God's command, and it's for your good. And when this is a struggle, you need to ask Jesus for his help to obey. Now, I want to address one of those questions that comes out of this text and this is, up to what age are children to obey their parents in everything? Well, it seems this text is referring to young children still living under the parents' roof and authority. But when children become young adults and legal adults, they gain certain privileges and responsibilities, and they have the right to legally make decisions on their own. Yet all of us are expected to continue to honor our parents as long as we live. That's the fifth commandment. So a young adult child who lives at home needs to depend on Christ for wisdom 
on how to honor their parents while they live at home. So say a young adult child who's living at home likes a certain type of music and the parents don't like that kind of music. Very common to happen within families. The young adult child likes to play their music really loud. And the parent says, would you please turn that down? And I guess, technically, the young adult Christian child could refuse. But does that honor the parents? Does that show consideration and appreciation for the parents' provision of food and shelter and a place to live? Does maybe a dismissive attitude like that please Christ? It seems to me it does not. And if it gets to the place that the young adult child struggles to live under the parent's house rules, then it's time to move out. You can enjoy the freedom that that brings, but also the responsibility required. So children under the age of 18, God commands you to obey your parents in everything when they're acting for your best. And this is a command for your good. And young adults and adult children were commanded to honor our parents as long as we live. Then the other half of the coin, how can parents honor Christ in their relationship with their children? And verse 21 addresses this. And it says simply this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so moms, you're immediately sitting back and saying, this does not apply to me. I don't have to listen to this next section. It's all about the fathers. But remember, Paul is addressing a specific situation in Roman culture where the father had absolute power and authority over the child. In fact, at the age of seven, the, it moved from the mother being the primary caregiver to the father being the legal overseer. And so Paul is addressing the person who was legally responsible for the child in this verse. But I believe there are good grounds to apply this command to both fathers and mothers today because both parents exercise authority and influence on their kids right into young adulthood. So what is this command? It says, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And the word provoke means to embitter, to aggravate, to irritate, to drive, to resentment. And the result of such provoking is discouragement or losing heart. Such provoking or aggravation can cause children to lose their strong feelings and their courage for life. And there are several ways that parents can do this. One way is to be severe and very strict in everything. They're always on their child, correcting, nagging, pointing out some disobedience, pointing out something that the child has done wrong to the point that the child can never get anything right and they give up. Or another way that parents can embitter kids is to be control freaks where the parent directs the child's every steps all the way through junior high and high school, and the child begins to realize, 
I'm never going to be able to live out my dreams, my choices. My, my parents are going to force me in this direction. And they give up. But perhaps most striking in this context is the command for parents to restrain their sinful, natural tendencies. This command shows concern for the weaker party. And so our sinful, natural tendencies might be, well, if my child's not listening to me, I just blow up. And then I get obedience. Or maybe there's yelling, maybe there's belittling, maybe there's mocking. None of this is acceptable to God. Roman fathers could harshly order their children to do exactly what they needed, and they would get affirmation from others in the culture. But this was not to be the way for the Christian parent. As parents, we need to prayerfully seek God's wisdom on how to respond to the various challenges presented by our different children. We must guard against embittering, provoking, or aggravating them. So, how can parents experience healthier relationships with their children? We must not provoke or embitter our children, but prayerfully seek God's power to restrain such impulses. And if you look at the parallel passage of this in Ephesians, it does say, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But interesting, here in Colossians, he only focuses on the restraining part. For maybe that was out of control in the Colossian church. So we must ask the Lord for his empowering to speak truth in love and to restrain our natural sinful tendencies. And this is tough. Especially with difficult children. Especially with defiant children especially with later teen children or young adult children who are making decisions that the parents have concerns about. And yet, when we have the courage to have the conversations with our kids that are respectful, truthful, and loving, it can make a huge difference. I remember when I was 19 or 20 years of age, still living at home, and I was seeing a girl that my parents had serious concerns about. So they had the courage to sit down with me and talk through their concerns. There was no shouting, no yelling. It was a conversation. And I was mad. And I remained mad after the conversation. Yet slowly, I began to realize they were right. Some of these things are concerns. And I don't know, in reflecting on this this past week, if I ever thanked my parents for that conversation. But it played a role in helping me see things I tried to ignore. And though angry at first, I wasn't bitter towards them. Maybe it even gave me the courage to make the tough decision of breaking it off. So, young adults, if your parents take the time to respectfully and lovingly share some concerns with you, I pray that you will see the gift that you have received. I ask you to seriously consider their counsel and their thoughts. Now, to a couple more questions. How do we live this out if our parent or child is not a Christian? 
Well, by seeking the Lord for wisdom and direction in the relationship, we need to recognize the other party is not motivated by a desire to please the Lord, but we are. So we seek him prayerfully and continually for wisdom on how to respond to our non-Christian child or parent. What about adults with aging parents? Well, we are never relieved from the responsibility to honor our parents, which includes caring for them when they are elderly, showing respect to them, especially where respect is due, or ensuring that they are cared for when we can't be there. And sometimes we do need to rearrange our lives and schedules when aging parents are in need. And many of you have lived this out and shown us tremendous examples of how to care well for aging parents. And then perhaps one of the hardest questions, what if my parent or child abuses me? Well, that's a situation where we must obey God rather than humans. We honor the Lord by confronting the abuse, by setting healthy boundaries, by informing those engaged in such behavior. It's not acceptable, nor will it be tolerated. And we also remember that God has a heart for those who are abused. Psalm 103.6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And Jesus himself experienced this from others. When in Isaiah 53, 7, we read, he was oppressed and afflicted. And so when we experience something like that as parents or children, we run to the father, we run to the son who themselves have a heart for us and them, Jesus himself has experienced such a difficult thing. But it is possible to experience healthy or healthier relationships with a child or a parent by the Lord's power and strength. And many of you can celebrate and praise the Lord for empowering you to engage in healthy relationships with your parents or with your children. But we also need to recognize we cannot do this in our own strength. This command goes against our natural sinful tendencies. Children naturally don't want to obey their parents. And parents naturally under stress will revert to tendencies that they have had in the past to speak harshly or in a way maybe embitter their children. And so we need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help to obey these commands. And we come constantly. Last night I was reading a little bit from John Newton, the, the slave ship captain who uh, wrote Amazing Grace. And he says this about the central daily Christian discipline. He says, hungering and thirsting for Christ is the central daily Christian discipline to see him clearly and to depend on him for hourly supplies of wisdom strength, and comfort. And we need to come to Jesus hourly, if need be, and say, Lord, please give me your strength and your comfort and your wisdom for this next hour. For sometimes, that's exactly what parenting or living under parents is like. And so as we approach the Lord's table today, 
We can only receive this power because Jesus has sacrificed himself for us. And I want to invite you to prepare your hearts to remember, but also to trust in the Lord for the strength you need to parent or relate to your parents. And so let's pray together. And Lord God, you know intimately about every parent-child relationship in this room. You know the hard things and you know the good things. You know where we have been wronged and where we have done wrong. And you know the state of our relationships today. And a verse like these, or these verses are like throwing cold water on our faces sometimes. Yet we need it. We need your counsel and your wisdom to navigate the complexity of the relationships that we, that we have. So forgive us for just trying to do it on our own. Forgive us for reverting to sinful tendencies and practices. And instead, we pray for power to live out your command, to show love and respect and truth to those in our lives who have these important roles. I pray you would empower kids to turn to you and ask for strength to obey their parents and for us as parents for wisdom on how we can respond in ways that will not embitter or discourage our kids. And thank you that you care about this very intimate personal family question. And we come to you now, Jesus, to remember your sacrifice that purchased for us the access to the Spirit, to all this wisdom, and to your power. We pray this in your name. Amen. And I'd like to invite the communion servers to come forward at this time.